Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. If you noticed over the past couple weeks, the Gospels have been sort of centered around uh, the bread of life. First, it was sort of talking about a few weeks ago about to how it's important for us to seek the kingdom of God. And then we saw last week the miracle of the five loaves and two fish. And he was still in that miracle. He was, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ was sort of explaining to people that just because you were fed uh, bodily, that's not the most important thing. And then today, uh, he tells us to sort of not labor for the food uh, which perishes. Uh, I wanted to take, because these past three or four weeks, we're sort of talking about, in, in one way or another, centering around the Eucharist. I want to talk about uh, the Eucharist, the communion that we receive every Sunday. How to take communion correctly, how to live uh, a life of communion with God, why the Eucharist is important. Uh, in our life as Orthodox Christians. If you think about um, sort of going back all the way to the beginning in Genesis, back to Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve fell, before they fell, they were living in love, they were living in peace, they were living in purity, they were pure-minded. They didn't have lust, they didn't have sin, they only had love. And when, from, when they ate from the tree, they saw or got introduced to evil, they realized that they were naked, and so they, they covered themselves. And then God asked if they had eaten from the tree. And Adam said that Eve tricked him, and Eve then blamed the serpent. And so from the beginning, from the beginning, after the fall, there was a sort of disunity. Okay? While before the fall, they were living all in unity, Adam and Eve and God were living in unity. After the fall, there was disunity among the people. And there was disunity between man and God. And actually you can see that in the next generation of people, right? When Cain and Abel, brothers, Cain ended up killing Abel. And even Cain, after he killed Abel and he repented from, from killing Abel, he said he was afraid, he was scared that other people were going to see him and were going to kill him because of what he did. So you can see by the second generation of humanity, there's already this really deep uh, state of corruption. So sin leads to corruption. It wasn't just a matter of sort of forgiving sins, it was also a matter of healing from corruption. So when Christ when our Lord Jesus Christ was incarnate and became man, and Him being fully human and fully divine at the same time, His humanity and His divinity are united together. And since the divinity is sort of the source of life, His flesh became the source of life when He united it in the one person of the Son of God. And we, in communion, we partake of this body and blood of Christ. We eat this source of life. So we can have in our lives sin. We can have this poison, corruption, inside of us that can lead to death. But God gives us sort of like the antidote. He gives us life to eat. And when we eat it, we sort of regain life. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ says in the Gospel of St. John, the same chapter that we read today, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Okay, so this is the correct and orthodox understanding of the Eucharist that we received from Christ from the beginning. And actually the importance of the Eucharist is demonstrated in the history of the church. There's one of the church fathers, St. Justin Martyr, he was writing, uh, he lived between 100 and 165 AD. He says, this food is called among us the Eucharist, of which no one is allowed to partake but the man who believes that the things which we teach are true, and who has been washed with the washing that is for the remission of sins unto regeneration, and who is so living as Christ has instructed. 
He says, For not as common bread and common drink do we receive these, but in like manner as Jesus Christ our Savior, having been made flesh by the word of God, had both flesh and blood for our salvation. So likewise have we been taught that the food which we blessed by the prayer of his word, and from which our body and blood, our body and flesh by transmutation are nourished, it is the flesh and blood of that Jesus Christ who was made flesh. This is what St. Justin Smarter says, maybe like not more than a hundred years after the ascension of Christ. This is what there was happening in the early church. So one of the things I want to talk about is most of us, when we're preparing, if I say I'm preparing for Holy Communion, most of us, we limit our preparation for Holy Communion to the fact of we fast. We don't eat before we come to church. Okay? All of us you know, that were sort of born into Orthodox, we've been taught from a young age that if I'm going to take communion, I should not eat or drink sort of the day that I take communion until after church. But by only fasting, if this is the only thing we're doing to prepare ourselves for Holy Communion, we're sort of deceiving ourselves. And maybe we fast in a mechanical way. And so if we are just coming without receiving or taking the proper preparation, we are receiving communion in an unworthy manner. So what is the proper way to prepare myself for communion? There are a couple of things that I want to make sure that we have highlighted so we understand what is the right way that I can come to approach the Eucharist. Uh, the first thing is I need to have a faith and desire for Holy Communion. Faith in the sacrament of the Holy Communion. Faith that in the, 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 the patent and in the chalice is Christ Himself present. And more specifically that the Holy Communion is necessary nourishment for my spiritual life. If I really believe this, that will make me long for the, for the Communion. Desire to have contact with Christ, to become one with Christ. The early Christian says in the book of Acts, Every day we're keeping watch all together in the temple. This watching, this burning, this longing has to exist in our hearts. Think about the people who are close to you in your lives. People who you love very much. We, we long to meet our close friends, people who are part of our family, people who haven't seen in a while. We have to have the same longing to meet Christ. Imagine if you have a friend or a family member who you talk on the phone with like every day during the week. And Sunday is the day you actually get to meet Him. In Holy Communion, not only do you just meet, but you become one with Christ, become one with His body and His blood. So this longing for Holy Communion is sort of the betrothal or the beginning of the complete communion that I will have with God in eternity. Right? When Christ talked about heaven in the Gospels, many, many times He talked about it as the analogy of a wedding feast. Right? So I have to have this sort of longing, this desire to be united with Christ. And this longing and desire comes from a faith of understanding really what the Holy Communion is. The second thing I really need to have is self-examination and testing. In order for us to take communion in a worthy manner, I, I should be examining myself. This is actually specifically commanded by St. Paul. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So I need to have an investigation of myself, quiet time followed by prayer, that will show me whether I am really even worthy or able to approach Holy Communion. But I should be careful when I do this. In this self-examination, I can't be either really, really sensitive or really senseless. No one is completely worthy to take communion. And Holy Communion is not sort of like a reward for saintly people, but it's for strengthening for sinners, people who are struggling towards holiness. So the self-examination of a spiritual person 
should never have the result of finding myself completely innocent, right? I'm always guilty in front of God. But my declaration of guilt in front of God might vary from one person to another. If my self-examination, I catch myself in grave sins, sins of the flesh, explosions of anger, a serious dispute with another person, then I should consider myself not really ready or prepared to take communion without confession. Holy Communion is received from or for the remission of sins. I read a quote that says, The believer doesn't commune of the Eucharist because he is worthy for this, because all people are unworthy for Holy Communion. But, the, but he who communes takes courage in the infinite mercy and grace of the Lord, who calls him to receive the remission of his sins, communion of the Holy Spirit, and sanctification and strength to continue his journey in the world toward the kingdom of heaven. So while I'm saying that we need to examine ourselves, I am not saying that once I examine myself, if I find any sin, I should not take communion. Communion is for the remission of sins. But if I find myself in grave sins, and especially sins of, that have to do with relationships, people that, are, that I'm angry with, that I cannot get along with, then I should really consider, am I worthy or ready to take communion? If the self-examination results in sort of a relative unworthiness, then the believer should prepare themselves to take communion even if they hadn't confessed that sort of that week. And while I'm approaching Holy Communion, I should say like the centurion servant, you know when he said, or the centurion when he was trying to get his servant healed, he said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter into my house, but only say the word and I shall be healed. So that's the second way I can prepare myself for Holy Communion, by self-examination. The third thing kind of goes right along with that is confession. If I find in my self-examination I find myself guilty of sins which prevent me from Holy Communion, then the sacrament of repentance and confession should be practiced, right? When most of us, when we sit down to eat dinner, after a long day, I was working the entire day, you feel the need sort of, I need to wash my hands before I eat. So how much more should I feel the need to sort of wash my soul in, in sort of the basin of confession so that I can participate in the Holy Communion? Unfortunately, some of us, we approach Holy Communion without self-examination, without regular repentance and confession. And to be honest with you, as a priest, that sort of scares me. Because in the vows and the, and the catechism of the priest, when they're teaching uh, to the priest, we, we are instructed not to take lightly the fact that I'm distributing the body and blood of God Himself. And I am called to examine everybody who is approaching, to make sure that they're approaching in a worthy manner. So the only way I know to do this is by teaching and by warning. Listen to what St. Basil says uh, about communion. He says, Don't forget the Master's commands and that of the Holy Apostles. For he says, Do not give the holy things to the dogs, and do not cast the pearls before the swine. See that you do not hand over the Son of God into the hand of unworthy ones. Do not be afraid to stand up to the glorious of the earth, not even to him who wears the royal crown at that time, to whom the divine canons do not allow, do not impart. St. Basil is giving instructions to his priests but who to give communion to and who not to. And he says you should have the confidence if somebody is not worthy of communion, to not give them communion regardless of their standing. Another way that I need to prepare myself for Holy Communion is love. I need to examine myself and make sure I am having love. Holy Communion is a work of love. Out of love, God became incarnate and communed with His creation. He came to earth and dwelt among men. Out of great love, He sacrificed Himself for us. Out of great love, He poured out His precious blood. Out of love, He offered His body and blood to be consumed by the faithful in Holy Communion. 
St. Paul says in Ephesians, But God was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive with Christ. So through Holy Communion, he makes us alive. Out of great love, he communed with us, became one with us. And so we should, out of love, become one with him to commune of his body and his blood. So our approach to Holy Communion should depend on the love we have for Christ. If I strongly love Christ, I frequently will want to unite with his body in Holy Communion. Divine love for Christ urges me towards frequent communion. If my love of God grows cold, then the longing for Holy Communion diminishes, goes down. And receiving Holy Communion can become routine, mechanical, and if it is that way, it's to my judgment and condemnation rather to mine than to my benefit. But besides love for God, I need to have love for people. This is an absolute necessity because this is the proof of one's love for God. The disciple who sort of talks about love the most, St. John the Evangelist, he says in his epistle, he combines sort of three kinds of love, God's love for us, our love for God, and our love for others. He says, we love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So our Lord Jesus Christ, in his Sermon on the Mount even, stresses that reconciliation or making up with people who I have disagreements with or do not have a good relationship with, has to come before our offering and before our worship at the temple. He says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. This is what we do actually even in the Divine Liturgy till, until today. Right after we finish the sermon and after we pray the litanies and we say the creed, the first thing we pray, the first prayer that we have in the Liturgy of the Believers is the prayer of reconciliation. The prayer of reconciliation. And we all do the kiss of peace to one another. Why do we do this? It's because before the priest offers the sacrifice, he asks for the forgiveness of his own sins that he's serving, uh, and the sins, for, for the sins that he's committed against the people that he's serving. And we ask for the forgiveness of our own sins to each other, the things we have done to one another, before proceeding into Holy Communion. This is what St. John Chrysostom says about communion. He says, do you want to take Holy Communion? Don't feel hate and antipathy for anyone. Have love for everyone. Unfortunately, there are Christians who even when they are about to commune, do not seek forgiveness of others. This is how they think. Why should I ask for forgiveness? And what if the other one took his, this as my weakness and wanted to misuse me? Then I would not be at fault. He would be at fault and he ought to ask me for forgiveness. O oh, harshness, which is the daughter of egotism. So a basic presupposition for Holy Communion is love for others. It's a good idea prior to Holy Communion, from the evening before, to seek forgiveness from the people in our family, our friends, our surroundings, people around us. The last thing I will say is that I need to approach Communion in piety and fear. Preparation for Holy Communion, I should have a fear and an awe that exists in my soul at the time of coming towards Holy Communion. We spoke about already the faith and the love being essential for approaching Holy Communion. But all of us sometimes can, can fall victim to approaching out of habit without this sort of sacred fear, without understanding completely, what am I approaching? Who am I approaching? And so I need to have a level of reverence and fear when I approach Holy Communion. So I approach quietly, I approach slowly, I approach in reverence, 
All of these things are important and worthy of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Blessed are they.